Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I am your host James and today we are looking at the episode A Night at the Paza. Now before before I get into this episode, when taking notes, a lot of things happen. So I kind of expect this to be a long one and not that pleasant of a one, at least on my end. I'm sure it'll be great once you're listening to it, but I have to, you know, speak it and listen back to it, and it's just, it's going to be draining, so I might not be all there by the end of it. (laughs) Although maybe I will. Who knows? So, we begin with the Pence being excited about something to do with Penny Ling. So Blythe comes down and wants to know what all the hubbub is about. So Penny shows her something that she can't see at first, and then Blythe points out that it's an ant. And then he's like, hey, she got it on the first guess. Penny says that this is her pet, and her name is Coconut. So, can pets have pets? I mean... I have more, but like, I don't know, this is just the first instance of like, like just just about this scene, we're going to get to it. So, Blythe doesn't quite find it appealing because it's an ant, an ant who isn't speaking by the way, so that means flies, butterflies, and ants can't speak human language whereas spiders, bees, and mosquitoes can. So also, like, on top of the can pets have pets thing, there's also, like, the idea that like, Blythe's attitude towards certain animals uh, just doesn't seem to change. Where, like, she's just unimpressed with an ant. Like, there's no, oh, let me try talking to this ant. Let's see what's up. Like, you know, we become friends. No, it's just, it's just an ant. It's a Blythe. And, like, I guess Blythe still eating meat kind of also leads into this. Where, like, Blythe still sees, like, animals as animals. Which is interesting, if true. But, I mean, it's really weird... Because, like, like, they don't hard confirm it. Like, the lack of hard confirmation on some of these things is what really bothers me. Like, soft confirmations are fine, but, like, hard confirmations need to happen sometimes, too. And I guess also, like, since some humans can be jerks, some animals can be jerks as well. So, there's that, I guess. I don't know, like, Blythe didn't even try talking to the ant, though. Like, you you can, I guess. You, you understood that butterfly, kind of. You didn't know its intentions. See, see this whole episode is going to be filled with stuff like that. 
and this might be the most, you know, the tamest one thus far. So, <clears throat> Blythe also points out that with one ant comes many ants, and Sunil sees all of the ants and screams. Blythe tells Mrs. Trombley they have ants, and, I, okay... So, is this one of the reasons why uh, Mrs. Tomley doesn't mind Blythe coming in through the dumbwaiter? So that, like, she doesn't have to, like, go into the... Well, her apartment is... Might be connected to the Littlest Pet Shop. Or... I don't know, but she doesn't have to come in to the day camp if Blythe's going to be there. And, you know, Blythe, it's, that's, that might be the least of my concerns after everything. Uh, so, anyway, later, Littlest Pet Shop is set to be closed for three days as they deal with the ant problem. Mrs. Tombley tells Blythe to relocate the regulars to the Littlest Pet Shuttle, while she calls their owners. Penny asks if Coconut is going to be okay, and Blythe informs her that she'll be fine. Now, here's the catch. She actually will be fine, because instead of an exterminator, they called Ant Auntie's Ant Remover, which specializes in relocating ants to ant homes where they can be anti- and, like, like this strikes me as, like, really, really odd. Because if you're going to go out of your way to relocate ants, like, maybe that service exists in the real world. I, I doubt it. But then that suggests that, like, you wouldn't want to kill animals in this world. And this is like a service that people call. Like, and, and she seems to be doing, Aunt Auntie seems to be doing it like, like a professional would and not like complaining like, oh, you're the first call I've gotten ever because most people just call exterminator. So, like, like, if you're this concerned about ants, and you're probably this concerned about other animals, but you still eat meat. So something must have happened. Like, like is, is all the meat synthetic? Did, did we just, ex like, outlaw all exterminators? Or, or is it just, like, a more complicated thing than that where it's, like, like, a law has been passed where, like, we only let animals die naturally before we do anything with it. No hunting or killing. But, like, animals still eat animals. Like, mmm. It, uh, it's weird, man. Like, like, it's it's one of those things 
Well, it's not even one of those things where, like, you don't question it. Because I did question it. Because, like, 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 I mean, I questioned it even before, like, I put this episode under the microscope of, you know, me doing an analytical style podcast of the show. Where, like, I don't know, like... This just seems weird. It, it it seems like they want to take steps away from implying that you know animals get killed or something. It's really it's this really fine line that they just like stumble over in each direction. But like, for the purposes of this, like, episode, like, this is relatively, like, self-contained and doesn't quite matter. Like, like this doesn't matter for the rest of the episode to function. Like, whether or not they called an exterminator or an ant relocator... It, it it doesn't matter for the rest of the episode. The point of the episode at this point is that they don't have access to the littlest pet shop for three days, which it's connected to the entire building, including the apartments. So does that mean that Blythe and Roger and everyone else just don't have a building for three days because like like that's an, that's a thing but I mean I don't, I don't know it's uh, I'm, I'm gonna see how long I've been I'm at 10 minutes and I'm not even like three minutes into the actual episode holy cripes Okay, let's let's keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it fresh. So Penny likes it, but Sunil finds it creepy. So later in the shuttle, Mrs. Twombly is driving around. She says that there's only one other local place that does pet daycare. Blythe says don't say largest ever pet shop, but that's exactly what Mrs. Twombly was thinking. And they agree... That that is not an option. How is it a local place if it's halfway across town in a city of two million people and possibly Manhattan and the Bronx? Like, this episode is just like me complaining about like stuff so far. It's like, we're, I'm slowly approaching magic xylophone territory. This is why a map would be useful, or, you know, non-contradictory information. Or, like, even just, like, I don't know, a confirmation of what le uh, downtown city actually is. Like, like if, it, if it's not the Manhattan and the Bronx, then, like, is it, like, its own city? Did New York not just fracture... It, there's two million people in it, though. Like that—that's—that's that's the thing I'm kept being hung up on. 
Because, like, it has two million people. Like, there should be more than two things. Like, yeah, I know in order to function, Large Stuff or Pet Shop has to be a direct competitor to the Littlest Pet Shop. That is a fact. For the show to function, those two have to be at odds. And you can do that without, like, with clearer maps. It, uh, this is, this is going to be a long one, I know it. Um, like, I, I don't want to be this upset. I don't want to, you know, like, talk to you like this. I want to have fun. And, like, in a sense, this is sort of fun, but it's, like, it's not, like, fun, fun. I don't know. It's not, like, the fun I'm having complaining about, like, you know, the the pets being dumb enough to steal the sweet truck again. Because, like, that, that was, like, dumb... And it made no sense, but it was fun. This is just like, I don't know, like, it it feels like I'm looking too hard on this. Like, this is just like something that's a little below the surface. Especially since, like, it needs to function. But, like, this seem like just I just want something I don't know like is it is it possible to have it well I mean now it's not because the show's over but like did did they ever plan it like so, some things don't need a map like this, this, I don't know. This could maybe use a map, mainly like due to the fact that like I don't know. Uh, it just it seems like there's there's more going on than we know. Uh. Okay. Like, again, this is self-contained. Like, whether or not Largest Ever Pet Shop is fairly local to the list pet shop. Like, it's a city of two million. There has to be more than two pet shops. Especially because, like, Littlest Pet Shop only has seven regulars and the occasional day camper. And, as luck would have it, Mrs. T remembers that she has a friend named Sophie who runs something called a Pausa Pet Hotel, which, uh, like, Mrs. Trombley's, like, at least she did. I don't know. It's been a while. 
And also, as I was taking notes, I just made the Hotel for Dogs connection in my head. And then after reading the synopsis, eh, I don't know why I discounted that movie. It seems like a pretty good movie, actually, from what I can, from what I've read. And B, from the synopsis, it's only semi-related to how the episode goes. Like, it's, hmm, like, the the Hotel for Dogs movie focuses more on the dogs and their needs versus, like, the antagonistic thing, like, goes towards the dogs itself. Whereas in this episode, the antagonism is towards the hotel itself. Like, it it's somewhat there, but I don't know if it's enough to say that there's a direct influence. But maybe it is, considering how loose that they do with um with with a later episode, an episode later the season even. So, maybe. So, Mrs. Trombley tells Blythe to look it up online using uh, the website, but Mrs. Trombley says, like, old people's words for website, and Blythe finds it, and Blythe notes that it is a luxury hotel with a lot of amenities. Zoe calls it her kind of place. So, okay... Zoe is rich enough to go to fancy places, I think, but chooses her friends at the littlest pet shop because they're friends. And I know I said that her owners, like, do it to make Fisher mad because they probably run in the same circles and, like, know how much of a jerk Fisher is. But, like, they could have taken her to any place. Unless they couldn't, and this is an endless cycle of stuff that doesn't quite matter or make sense. Although, I would just like to see a story in which Zoe gets taken out of the largest ever pet shop, and is taken to the littlest pet shop first, where she bonds with everyone, but, like, her owners don't see it as quite up to snuff, so they try, like, a few other fancier places, but Zoe doesn't like it, because, like, uh, like her friends are at Littlest Pet Shop. So, in the end, they go there. It's just that I just want, I just wanted to see that. So, okay, they go to the address and see the place isn't as nice as it looks. Mrs. Twombly accuses the interwebs of being wrong instead of, you know, people just lying on the internet you really think someone would do that just go on the internet and tell lies so they enter and they call out for someone that isn't them and they answer from the back and uh like someone else answers from the back i mean and uh mrs trombley blythe and the pets go there and mrs t and sophie see each other and they, like, greet each other. So, like, this isn't important to the story either. 
And this is like more of a pick-me-up for me. But Sophie is black. And this can somewhat play into my headcanon that Mrs. T fought for civil rights. And isn't allowed in the South. Or wasn't allowed in the South. I don't know how that how that's going now. <laughs> and I just wanted to point that out for me. Because that, that, like... Like, whatever. Sophie's black. That's good. Like, she's, she's a successful business owner. That's good. I just... Like, like Mrs. Trombley doesn't need a reason to have a black friend. But I just like the idea that, like... You know, like, since she doesn't know what Junebug in July means, that, that that's a southern phrase, that she wasn't allowed there because she fought for civil rights. It's this whole thing that just, like... I don't know. It's, I like it. So, Mrs. Twombly introduces Sophie to Blythe and the pets and says that this place isn't like the website. Sophie knows and is kind of upset because people have been calling based on the website and they say that this place isn't ready and that they're trying to get it ready but she and the person who made the website can't quite get it up to snuff in time and fun fact that person is Madison (laughs) and she says hi to Mrs. Twombly and Blythe and Blythe compliments her work on the website So this is a nice small detail as well where like Sophie doesn't say wait you know each other because she would know that from Madison's resume where it says littlest pet shop part of the summer. I don't know how much of the summer. Timelines. This is another thing we need but like you know that's not gonna it's not gonna rain on my parade for you know, feeling good about this episode at this moment. So Mrs. Twombly offers to help without telling Sophie about what happened at the littlest pet shop. And Sophie says no at first, but they insist and they go ahead. Sophie asks if they're good at a lot of renovation type skills and Blythe says no, but she knows someone who is and calls her dad. Because of course, despite Mrs. Twombly's best efforts to keep her dad out uh you know when he was actually out of a job for a little bit man that episode was weird so Blythe is cleaning and makes jokes about how there's so much dust that like they're dust buffaloes and they need a pen Madison doesn't quite get it and uh, goes to get a dustpan, and the pets are unamused by the joke. So meanwhile, outside, the biscuits, all of the biscuits, uh, Fisher, uh, like Whitney and Brittany, are in a carriage being carried by Francois on a bike. Whitney noticed something and physically gets Brittany's attention even though they were texting from a few feet away? For shame. Maybe. Because, like, even though they were texting, Whitney had to get Brittany's attention physically when they could have just sent a text, but they could have been texting other people. But that seems very unlikely. Like, how and who? Like, 
They, they don't strike me as the type of people who would want to do that. So Fisher is on a laptop and not a phone. So, uh, like, Whitney points out the thing to Brittany, and they ask Francois to stop, and they get off, and Fisher tells him not to stop because his doctor ordered him to ride his bike for an hour a day. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's, that's the stuff. Uh, that's, that's the funny. So the twins wonder what the Littlest Pet Shuttle is doing there, and Fisher wonders the exact same thing. Fisher asks Francois for the phone, and Francois dials the number to the place somehow knowing it. So this is like where like needing it for the episode to work and completely unrealistic crash hard. Like, it makes no sense... But at the same time, I never, like, truly questioned it until now. Like, like it's one of those things that maybe in the back of my mind I knew, or it was weird, or whatever, but, like, it, it, I never, you know, thought about it to the extent I'm thinking about it now. Like, 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 th- this makes no sense. And yet, the writers seem to think that this makes sense, where magic doesn't make sense, where magic actually makes a lot of sense, because it it's a thing. Like um, yeah, like uh, why 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 like with the amount I'm complaining about this episode and how things don't make sense. Like, why did they not choose this episode to, like, be the it's all a dream thing? Okay, that might be a bit too far, because I I know why. But at the same time, at the same time, a lot of, like, contrivances from here on out are needed for the episode to work. Despite the fact that they are completely unrealistic. So Blythe answers and says that this is Littlest Pet Shop and then the Littlest Pet Shop Hotel. And the twins spy on her. But Blythe is confused because she's not used to answering phones here and at her job. Which this is not her job. This is, uh, like she forgot the name of the Paza and just says how may I direct your call assuming that the person on the other end knows that this is actually the pausa and not somehow knowing the exact phone number of the building like I okay I thought like phone numbers like to buildings like, worked out the same, but then I remembered they don't. Like, so you can't figure out what a building's phone number is based on where it is. Even though you could do that, but, like, when when I was young, we had a, like, home phone number that was the same home phone number, despite the fact that we moved, like, uh, one, two, three, four, five, 
five times in the span of, um, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years maybe. It's, it's a thing. So, Fisher hangs up and is shaken. The Biscuits are upset that he didn't talk to Blythe and wonders why she has a hotel. And Fisher is mad because Littlest Pet Shop cannot open a hotel before he does. Fisher decides to go to lunch and orders Francois to go to the bistro. <laughs> like, only Crippo. The bistro. So at the bistro, a shady man named Mr. Dale appears and sits at the table with his back to Fisher, not to arouse suspicion. But the two start talking anyway, and Fisher enlists his services to intimidate the littlest pet hotel to stop it from opening, at least before his hotel. He then opens his briefcase and out pops a model of an extravagant hotel for pets that's going to be a little less extravagant after I go through my blow for blow. So his plans include 20 stories, 200 rooms, which is 10 rooms per floor, so that's not the best average. Like, hotels I've been in have, like, 15 or 20 rooms per floor. Maybe more. And, like, I assume fancier hotels go even more than that. So, a separate dining area for herbivores and carnivores, and you're forgetting omnivores. Humans are not the only omnivores. A nightclub for nocturnal animals, which doesn't seem to be that much of a problem since skunks are nocturnal and Pepper is awake at the daytime. A game room for game animals, which is kind of weird because... Hunting might be illegal. Maybe. Like. It, it. Like that. That thing's only not making sense. Based on something that isn't confirmed. Like. Like the rest of this seems confirmed so far. So. A mile high aviary. Which I actually don't have a problem. Because I, I like I saw it. It's in the model. It's like a little bubble so you're not gonna have anyone flying off but you might have some problem with birds flying into the glass so there's that i guess so i guess it didn't escape a blow a mile deep burrow for rabbits which might ruin the foundation of your building and a poker room just for dogs Hard to believe that that one is the one I don't have a problem with. So the biscuits, like, just glaze over until they hear the thing about dogs. And they wonder, like, dogs play poker? Whatever. So the man says that it's a lovely dream. And I I guess that's why he's the muscle. Because he doesn't see kind of the flaws in all of this. So, but Dale, or Mr. Dale, it's really hard, because, like, is his last name Dale, or is it his first name? Like, 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 it seems like that's his last name, but I've never heard of Dale as a last name. But, whatever. So, anyway, 
He's the muscle, and he ensures that he will shut down the littlest pet hotel. So, the twins want their own hotel, and Fisher promises it to them and says that a biscuit gets what a biscuit wants. So, before the main attraction, there is a main attraction to this scene. And before that, I just want to point out that Fisher does have some flashes of being nice in previous and later episodes. And, like, there's the whole thing in Winter Wonder Wah where, like, he says that, like, I only got, like, one or two presents for the holidays. And, like, you know... Maybe you can get some if you actually do charity. But he's also saying here that a biscuit gets what a biscuit wants. Which might just be business Fisher. That's how I've always read the disconnect. Where it's like, in life, I can be somewhat nice. But when it's business, like you do what you have to do to be on top. As evidenced by... The main attraction, which is a villain song. It is a villain song about capitalism. Straight up. He sings about business and how he will do whatever it takes to turn a profit, including replacing like lazy workers and naysayers with robots who are willing to do his every command. And at first, the twins don't seem to get it because Fisher is talking in serious business terms. And they ask, can't he talk teen in order for them to understand it? But they get the hang of it. And, you know, they start to, you know, understand... That, like, all of these words just mean, you know, getting what we want through business. And they actually goose step? Like, quite literally goose step. And also Whitney raises her hand repeatedly, but it's to push a button so they don't actually Hitler salute. But there's still, it still kind of looks like it. But it's not, it's not, we're not going there. I don't think the show wants us to go there either. But they are goose-stepping, which means, like, the show kind of wants to go there. It's the idea that they want them to be seen as evil, but not too evil. The, The show wants to show the Biscuits as comically evil like evil in a way you can still laugh at not 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 that not Nazis evil cause like yeah so okay so also like a sign in the villain song for the perceived littlest pet hotel also features Sophie, but they wouldn't know who she is unless Fisher does because she's also a competitor. But, like, then this episode doesn't make sense anymore 
because, like, Fisher is only trying to prevent the opening of the Littlest Pet Hotel, not the Paza, because he doesn't know that the Paza is the Paza. It's, uh, like, th this thing defies logic at some times. Also, is the whole villain song being about capitalism a thinly veiled take that to Hasbro, who's also capitalistic? Like, they've kind of done it before with Topped with Buttercream, where according to TV Tropes, the episode was made to promote a specific toy line, but they turned that toy line on its head by making, like, the toy line be Lord of the Flies-esque. But, like, I mean... There's no such thing as bad publicity, so, like, you could have kids playing, you know, crazed sugar lunatics with their, uh, you know, toys. So, in a way, they still won, but it's not what they intended. So, I don't know, the... the the song overall is a good and catchy villain song. And I guess that's just that. So at the Paza, Blythe and company are still cleaning. And Russell dusts the stairs by going down them and wrapping a, like, towel or whatever around him and just rolling around. Penny dusts the wall and finds another bug and wonders how Coconut's doing. And wonders if, like, Coconut has, like, some family here. And Vinny is expecting a hole in the wall. Meanwhile, Pepper and Zoe are lazing about, saying that they're both allergic to work. But then Zoe smells something, and it's not Pepper. So, Mr. Dale comes in and talks to Blythe. He tells her that he's from City Inspection and says that this place will be shut down. Blythe tries to explain and get the owner, but he doesn't want to see the owner, which is surprisingly one of the least contrived things about this episode thus far. The other least contrived thing uh, is coming up soon. And says that if this hotel isn't up to snuff by tomorrow, it's shutting down. Blythe goes to tell Mrs. T, Sophie, her dad, and Madison. Zoe says that she smells something familiar on that guy. And Pepper wants to get Blythe. Meanwhile, Blythe is explaining the situation to everyone. And Zoe barks, signifying that she wants to go out. But Blythe's like, not now. Roger comes in saying he's got the toilets to flush on the third floor. And he also has a toilet seat around his neck. So he decides to do the electrical neck despite being in the range of toilet water and rips out some wires. Blythe explains what happened and Roger asks for help with the wires. Zoe keeps barking and Blythe asks Madison to take them for a walk while she stays here and helps her dad. Madison is worried about Pepper being a skunk. Okay, so this is also not that contrived, I guess. Because, like, Blythe, Blythe is willing to help her dad. Madison works with pets, so, like, she should be comfortable doing this, not knowing. The urgency is so, like, you know, like, like it needs to happen, but at the same time, it's fine.
So they go out and Madison is wearing her breathing mask while Zoe sniffs down the scent of Mr. Dale, who I think may or may not have said his name. It's unsure, but they they go about the rest of the episode saying that they said their name. So uh, Zoe eventually gets to the point where she's dragging Madison and they arrive at the bistro and see that Mr. Dale is indeed working for Fisher Biscuit. And Zoe says that she knew that she smelled a biscuit. So the twins are discussing their hotel ideas. Whitney wants a hotel for cute animals only, so like no spiders, for example. And Brittany wants a hotel made out of waterfalls because it's never been done before. Fisher asks Dale why he didn't close it on the spot, and Dale says he didn't want to arouse suspicion, which I guess is fair. And he tells Fisher not to worry because no matter what happens, the hotel will be closed. Zoe and Pepper are horrified and the Biscuits and Dale laugh evilly. You know, not not to arouse suspicion. Evil laughing at a bistro in the middle of the day. So back at the Plaza, Blythe proposes to get the wires back in. Uh, they use Vinny who can fit into the walls and, you know, rewire the stuff from inside. And she tells Vinny what to do and he does it. And Roger's impressed saying that it's kind of like he knows what you're saying. And Blythe kind of dawdles around it. She goes in circles saying that, like, maybe Vinny's very smart. But don't have kind of know what people are saying as it's weird but Vinny's like I knew it so good good for you Vinny feel feel proud so anyway Zoe and Pepper and Madison come back and Madison is exhausted from being dragged everywhere Zoe gets Blythe and Blythe realizing that this is important makes an excuse and steps out she asks what's up, and Zoe and Pepper explain that Dale is a fake building inspector who was hired by Fisher Biscuit to close down the plaza. So this is like the other nod contrived thing, because like Zoe is a dog, so she can smell this kind of stuff. And like they're going to investigate and you know, whatever. So also Fisher, why not just bribe a real building inspector? The episode's about the evils of capitalism, so why not go the whole nine yards and say, yo, rich people have enough money to buy a building inspector, an actual building inspector, to shut down a competitor? So, here's something I thought of, though. What if Dale, the hired goon, is a family friend and you don't want to put him out of business, Fisher. So the reason I thought that was because, like, I was once arguing with someone about Obamacare and universal health care and stuff. And they said that one of the reasons that they don't like it is because their family is friends with their insurers. They don't want to see them go out of business or, you know, lose them as insurers. I swear this is real. Like, that's that's what I think to the best of my ability. This was a while ago, 
But, like, they were like, no, I like our insurers, and I don't want them to go away. But under this thing, they're going to have to go away. Like, it's just, like, maybe maybe it was doctors and, like, you know, doctors changing plans or whatever. It's, it's this whole thing. Like, I swear it was insurers, though. I, I don't have the receipts. But it was, it was something along those lines where, like, you know, I'm friends with these business people, and so this is bad. Uh, which is lousy at best because like I don't know they could find some other work like healthcare should be universal but not like insurance on cars because like I don't have a car I don't need car insurance because I don't have a car but like people who have cars they should get insurance. I guess it needs to be universal amongst car owners or vehicle owners, but I don't know. It's this whole thing that's it's it's complicated. That that's right. The world the world is complicated. Not not every problem can be solved by something, but when 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 it's overwhelmingly proved that you can do do something that benefits up everyone why not do it so Blythe gets mad and goes to tell everyone about this so they ask how she knows and she says that she just knows so they discount her because she doesn't have any solid proof that she's willing to share and they say that guys with badges don't pretend and grown men don't dress up. But Blythe points out the time that Fisher dressed up as Francois and when Francois dressed up as a photographer. They say that those are good points, but they want to be safe. Blythe feels defeated, but then, using her purified biscuit, she volunteers to show Mr. Dale around and knows what to do. And Sophie accepts because they have a history. So Blythe goes over her plans for the fake inspector with the pets. So the next day, Mr. Dale gets there, and Blythe tells everyone to take their places. Blythe then talks to Mr. Dale, and Dale wants to get on with the inspection, and Blythe is, like, you know, putting up a facade, but, like, she knows what's up, subtly. And Dale asks to see the owner so now he wants to see the owner but why not before i take it back that part was still a little more contrived than i thought that part was always a bit contrived but it was less contrived when he didn't want to see the owner at all and just wanted to close it down blythe says that that won't be necessary for the inspection and you're still insistent on the inspection right dale says yes and blythe is like you leave me no choice so Blythe leads Mr. Dale to the tennis court, quote-unquote, where Russell, Penny, and Sunil slip tennis balls down the stairs to make Dale fall on the stair. Also, Sunil is wearing a girl's tennis uniform. You do you, Sunil. Blythe says that we can stop as soon as you admit you're a fake. Dale says no, and Blythe continues. They go to the swimming pool, and Minka and Vinny load a loose board with water balloons, and it splashes Dale in the face. 
Blythe again says that we, you know, we can stomp as long as you tell the truth. <laughs> putting putting the pressure back on, <laughs> like do, doing Dale's job better than Dale. <laughs> but Dale insists that he is a building inspector. So Blythe leads Dale to the ice ring, and Dale is nervous. Pepper and Zoe pelt him with snow under the guise of a very aggressive ice hockey game. Dale has had it and says that he's shutting this place down and starts to leave. But Blythe says that she knows the truth, that you're not a real building inspector. But he still says he is and he's going to do it. And he opens a door, which he thinks is an exit. But Blythe warns him that that isn't an exit, like genuinely. So he opens it up and a bunch of, like, you know, supplies, some bowling pins and a bowling ball falls on him. Blythe genuinely seems worried and says, like, I tried to tell you that was a supply closet. Pepper then applies more pressure and activates her bad scent right up against his nose. And Dale taps out. And Blythe asks, is there anything you want to say while recording a video on her phone? And Mr. Dale admits that he was working for his secret employer, Fisher Biscuit, as a fake building inspector in order to shut this place down so that they can make room for his grand hotel. And he's like, who can blame him? It's a good idea. And when Blythe shows it to everyone, they were like, you were right. So come on, Blythe, take, take this to the police. This is very illegal. This is very illegal. You could get Fisher arrested. And then who's going to run largest ever pet shop? Francois, maybe? And that would make it better. Although, to be fair, she might be rightly worried that, like, Fisher has men on the inside, whether it be, like, police or lawyers or something unless like it goes too far in which case like this doesn't seem to go too far because it failed so like if you got this video and Fisher succeeded in uh you know shutting this place down illegally like <laughs> like it's that whole attempted to shut down a place illegally you don't get a prize for attempted chemistry. It's kind of like that defense that they would use. And Blythe might be worried that that might be the case. Especially since, like, they can handle it herself. So they ask how she knew and Blythe stammers while Mrs. T says, You just knew. And Blythe agrees. So, I uh, just... Quick. Um... So this is the second time, to the best of my knowledge, that, like, it's implied that Mrs. Twombly knows and just isn't saying anything. And... Yeah, it's... That's just a weird detail, maybe. It's... I don't want to quite go over it yet. Not yet. So, the plaza opens, 
It is unconfirmed if it was in the three days Little's Pet Shop needed to reopen or not, but whatever, that doesn't matter for the sake of this episode. And with it open, Sophie thanks everyone for helping out, especially Madison. She points out that Madison's design for the website showed her what this place could be, and that they strived for it, and with all the help from everyone else, they got it to where it could be. And Madison is proud of herself and says, Yay, me. So the twins see the pause and wonder why they thought Blythe had her own hotel. And they wonder if Blythe was just doing that thing where they help people for free and go, Ew. So the twins ask the driver to pedal, and it's not Francois, but Mr. Dale, who is doing this as a punishment for failing. And that ends the episode. And I don't know how I missed it. But theory time before well, theory time before we wrap up the episode. So maybe the closet coincidence isn't that much of a coincidence. What if this is a power that the biscuits are able to unlock, but they just haven't, where like you know, you're being nice just and like you just eventually kind of get your way despite the fact that like like you're because you're like convinced your convictions are right and your convictions are right and also you're being very nice, you get access to this ability where things can kind of go your way where like Mr. Dale accidentally opened a closet cuz like Blythe's traps, like, almost backfired, and it didn't take that, and it only took the accidental trap for it to succeed. So, like, the Biscuits don't know that they have this power yet, because they can usually get what they want, like, normally, because they have money. And, like, whenever they try to go out of their way to do something, like, it backfires on them. Or maybe it's that the power is punishing them. But, like, they know being evil gives them some powers. And they don't know that being nice gives you, you know, the whole range of abilities you have. So, I guess the whole thing is you have to be together and extremely evil or extremely nice. And since Blythe has the power... Through the crazed set of circumstances I set out in the podcast thus far, she's developing those powers further than the Biscuits could because Blythe doesn't need to be, like, within range of someone else. And, like, while she's using evil to power it, like, the whole, like, energy comes from, like, her being nice and being right and stopping illegal things from happening and, you know, doing something for somebody else. There's that thing. I wrote that in my notes earlier. I just kind of missed it because there's a lot of notes. And this one's kind of confusing because, like, she still has to draw her powers from, like, evil situations but once she has like the power 
in her, like, she can manipulate the power through being good. That's, that's what I was trying to say. It's really confusing, but it's still fun. And I guess that's how I would say this episode is. Really confusing, but still really fun. I like it, but it, like, falls apart under the slightest bit of scrutiny. It's like... Like, parts of the episode that, like, need to exist don't make sense. Like, something has to happen here for that something else to happen, but... A, like, from to get to B, you need A, but A and B, like, can't happen? And it's a weird thing. But, like, the episode overall is fine. It's fine enough, I guess, considering everything's a mess. But, overall... Like it's it's a good episode. I wouldn't say it's a great episode. It is a lot of flaws, but like I don't know, it's still fun and enjoyable if you can look past it, but it's kind of hard to do so. It's just that. So that should be it for this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when their building is infected with ants and they get an ant wrangler instead of, like, Orkin or something. Unless Orkin is an ant wrangler, but I doubt it. And be sure to tune in next time for the episode Proud as a Peacock. Uh, right. So I might not get to that episode until after the convention, which is KitsuneCon. I told you about this last year. I'm going in this year. It's my usual con. I go to it. But, like, you know, just saying, like, if you're going... Don't be afraid to say hi, I guess, if you can find me or whatever. Uh, yeah, that, that'll be it. And I will see you then.